Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the state of the industry with my friend, George Abernathy. How's it going, George? I'm well, Joe. Thank you for having me. This is a little daunting for my opinion on the state of the industry, but I'm looking forward to the conversation. (laughs) You've been there, done that, got the hat. That's what we're calling the state of the industry because you know this industry. Yeah, I think you created it back in the day. (laughs) I don't don't know, but I was there when it was. I I may have been talking about it, yes. Exactly. So, George, please introduce yourself and your company. I'm George Abernathy. I am the president of Emerge. I am the uh, outgoing president of FreightWaves, proud president of FreightWaves. And I joined Emerge as a board member, Joe, about a year and a half ago at the invitation of Andrew Leto and their board chairman, Jack Holmes, the former uh, CEO and president at UPS Freight. And over the year and a half or so, I became very interested in helping to further what Emerge was doing and some recent fundraising made that even more exciting to pursue. And while I leave Freightways with extraordinary fondness over the last four years for what Craig Fuller and the team has disrupted the industry with over there, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled with the, uh, with the opportunity that I've got here at Emerge. Yeah. Well, it's always fun to be on the pirate ship, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. There's definitely a pirate uh, versus Navy kind of of thing in the companies that I seem to join. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Andrew Leto's a a sailor. I know he mentioned that on the podcast. It's exactly right. He was. And Freight Waves is the pirate ship. (laughs) Exactly right. So, George, where where are you based? I'm actually based just outside of Chattanooga in uh, Ottawa, Tennessee. I'm uh, the background you see here is Scottsdale. Emerge is based in Scottsdale, and our primary both technology and the transportation that we manage is is being managed here in Scottsdale. But we are uh, we are growing in the in the near term. You'll see an Atlanta office for Emerge. You'll in all likelihood in the really near oh term, I didn't see, know that yeah, fantastic. You'll see, you'll see Chicago pretty quickly too. So it's, it's, you know, it's a real land grab right now, Joe, for talent and having the ability as we have seen with being able to work remotely. Um, there, there's certainly much more flexibility that, that that's being given. What I'm excited about is that you're now finally able to get back in front of customers. It was right. terrific to use this video technology and save some of those long travel legs that we have to do. But what I'm telling you, over the last six weeks or so, I've been in front of, I think I've traveled five out of those six weeks and I've been in front of customers each of those weeks. And there's nothing like it that that customers or prospects, there's really nothing like that, that interaction and the the hunt to go after that new that new customer is really exciting. So before we get into the topic today, you mentioned Emerge. That's your new new gig, President. And yeah. what does Emerge do? I know, but I want you to tell everybody what, what they do. <laughs> so Emerge is reinventing freight procurement. The, the opportunity for contract spot freight really of any kind and really 
and in ever-expanding modes, freight procurement, that initial touch, first touch, is, is where Emerge is making the dramatic impact. And as we sort of talk about things, I've been pursuing optimality in freight procurement for the better part of a couple of decades, back to when OptiBid was being introduced to the world in the in the mid to late 90s. Right. And what we're doing today would have been literally impossible from a technology standpoint back then. Right. And, you know, this is how I always describe the problem is, you know, right now, if you're a shipper and you say, I just, I, want, I, I don't want to work with a broker, I want to go directly to carriers. I put all my lanes, my 1,000 lanes in a nice Excel spreadsheet, or maybe mm-hmm. I'm high tech and I use Google Sheets or whatever mm-hmm. that is. And I send a mass email to, and so anybody who called me along the way, I go, oh yeah, uh, we're going to have a freight RFP uh, in January. Get, let me give your, let me get your email. And you get Bob Smith's email. Of course, Bob Smith left the job the week after. Exactly. And then at some point you send that mass email and you get a whole bunch of responses back, not nearly as many as you wanted. Right. And... <laughs> And you didn't talk to anybody or not very many because you want to keep them all at arm's length and keep them all equal. And you don't know if they're being aggressive and not going to take the freight. It's just a paper rate or right. whether they were giving you a God's what they thought was going to be the right number. And they, they're guessing what's happening in the next year. Yeah, Nobody, not even George Abernathy knows what's happening in the next year in this business. <laughs> so I love what Emerge has done because they've just they said, no. And by the way, if... Any part of your supply chain is being managed with Excel spreadsheets and mass emails. Yeah, there is a better way. There's vulnerability. <laughs> yeah, there's vulnerability, and there's probably something better out there. Well, and you're exactly right. And you, you, we we're all thinking over the last eighteen months with our our pandemic perspective, but you're you're exactly right. And and that's really what Emerge has been able to do is bring that technology to the largest of the shipping the shippers out there, but also it's a technology that's capable of being used by the small and the medium-sized companies. And, right. you know, let, let's think about, you know, and it isn't that long ago that the primary methodology of freight procurement was I'm going to run an annual bid to your point, and I'm going to I'm going to ruin my month, maybe my quarter by doing well, it. Well, and and it's, <laughs> and and people would typically would run them in that fourth quarter time frame because they wanted to award them in the beginning of the year because that's when freight would be, you know, post the holiday season. That's when freight would be a little bit down. So you know, the expectation was that carriers would be somehow more aggressive and they typically were but that's when we had primarily you know almost every year that there was available capacity well that 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 volatility has become the norm right, right. We're, we're always using and overusing that phrase of the new normal the new normal is volatility that's what freight waves data has right. really shown and why freight waves has thrived in the in their technology business and in their sonar data platform is volatility and to your point we may not know what's going to happen within the next year but i can be more predictive if i've got more data and i know what to do with it but then i need flexibility i need to be nimble you know i've got i'm a shipper and i've got a geography joe that 
it, it just changed. Something shifted in, in, in the transportation market. And, I, and I, I really can't live for the next eight months of 50% of my freight not going through my routing guide and ending up on the spot market. So right. I don't, I don't want to put all of the freight back in the shaker and, and do it. I want to I take that piece and carve that out right. and, and, and be more proactive around that. Not even wait until my routing guide starts to, to deteriorate. Yeah, I had Maggie from Emerge on, and yep. we were talking about this. This RFP pro- process is is broken. It's really broken, and, and Emerge has got a, like a tool for this. And basically, it's free. So if you're a carrier, yeah, that's it's right. A better, it's a better deal if you're a carrier because well, you, and, and it, it is all about that marketplace, and it is right. free. It is free for shippers. And people have talked about marketplaces. When I joined Transplace back in 2004 to to help Tom Sanderson and, and the team build that into what is an extraordinary business today. And congratulations to Uber for that, for that acquisition. But when, when we were transplaced, we were trying to, and our, our pursuit was building density and, and, right. and, and trying to find where those overlaps would be. And, and over time that, that, that definitely has occurred, but now you have that, you know, that, in, in what we're seeing in procurement, that ability as you bring carriers in, it's you know, Joe, it's all about scale, it's all about density. Right. And when you when you get all of that in there, we're 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 on track to have twenty billion dollars worth of freight being visible in our system this time next year. At that with that kind of marketplace. You have all kinds of value props that can come from that for carriers. For- yeah, and, it, and to expand on that, you, you mentioned shippers. So if you're a carrier, it's a good deal too because yeah. there's this network effect. There's all this freight in there, and you don't necessarily have to go through a broker to get it. You, you might pay a small fee to to emerge, but it's much smaller than you're paying to the average broker because it is all uh, exactly it's a right. System. It's a platform, but, and 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 that's feasible. It's you know it's better for the carrier. It's obviously better for the shipper from the from the pricing perspective. And you're utilizing technology to you know to to do some of that you know taking taking out that yep. personal and 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 you can afford to do that as an emerge because you're going to be able to process right. so much more so much more quickly and get you know four times five times as many transactions occurring versus one right. or so from the traditional traditional type of brokerage. I think also, you know, I've worked for a carrier and then I get a lot of carriers call me and say, oh, you know what I want? I want good shipper freight, meaning I don't want to go through a broker. And this is a good opportunity to do that. But um, what's also interesting about it is um, it's streamlined enough. It's easy enough that I think 90% of the people using Emerge do quarterly bids, which I think is cool because right. I don't have to get, if I'm a trucking company, I don't have to guesstimate. And again, it's just exactly. a guesstimate. What's happening over the next year? Is COVID going to have a another run at us, or are we going to be great in the next quarter? And you mentioned earlier the volatility. People are cringing right now because they know what I'm going to say. I say VUCA on my podcast a lot, and I heard it's a term I heard. It's volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity, yeah. and that is the world we live in right now. So demand planning is impossibly hard. I'm doing a, pod, a webinar on that next week. It's hard to figure out what the demand is, and then it's hard to figure out what my capacity is. So exactly. well, we need, and, and we to, need to shorten that, that to three exactly months. That's exactly right. Shorten that cycle. There may be a circumstance where you've got in your network a part of that network which is repetitive. It's 
you know, it, it is the kind of thing where you can go longer than three months or six months. And, but, but I, 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 I'd ask, you know, in, in most circumstances, why would one do that? The, you know, the, the, the routing guide starting to deteriorate, right? I, I want 98 or 99% of my routing guide compliant. But when I start seeing it turning to a road, it may already be too late. There may be too much, so much of my freight heading to the spot market that now, you know, so, right. so, so, so figure out, you know, is, is that deterioration because of the speculation that the carrier is going to take, is that going to, is that going to happen in three months or in six months? And that's one of the other things that, that the data we believe will, will be able to, to right. have that, that kind of, that kind of visibility that, that you can see in a freight wave data that will allow a carrier as they're doing some bidding to be able to say, okay, I, I, I know what this looks like. And it, it also will send the shipper a signal that will say, before that riding guide starts to deteriorate, you need to run this bid, but you need right. to run this bid for three months. Right now, it's pretty easy to say, don't run a, don't run a <laughs> bid for a year right now. My goodness, you're going to pay out of pocket, all that. Okay, that's what I could say right now. I may sound brilliant by saying, don't bid up for a year right now, Joe, because it's going to be so expensive. But let's just say something happens that, you know, causes the capacity circumstance to carry on all the way through 2022. We might talk a year from now and you might say, well, George, you told them not to run a bid for a year. They, you know, if they had run that bid for a year, you know, what might have occurred? It's, it's right now, it's, it's not good for either the carrier or the shipper to try right, to bid on right. a year. This is the way I see it. And again, I think this is the way most of the world works is I want my suppliers to do well. I don't want to say, ha ha, exactly. you committed to a low price and now you're losing money. No, I don't want my, my, my carriers, my suppliers are not going to lose money forever. I don't yeah. want them to. I want there to be a win-win relationship with us. How much of the circumstance are we in, in the state, state of the you know, industry as we're talking about today, you know, there's not enough capacity. How much of, the, how much of that capacity constriction is... It's one of the things that Freight Waves has done a great job of, of reporting on is how much of that has gone away. And it's not, right. you know, a 3,000 truck carrier. It's it's the death by a thousand cuts of here goes right. a 500 truck carrier out of right. business. Here goes. And it and it has that's part of the reason that we're in the circumstance that we are right. in the in, in the state of the industry today, which is there isn't enough capacity. There's not enough trucks. It gets it gets very human when you hear people what you and I have been hearing that there's been a driver shortage that carriers have been talking a about. A never-ending driver time. shortage. The never-ending driver shortage. Well, now that's mainstream. That's, yeah. that's for, that's for. Wall Street you know, Journal for, writes about it. <laughs> right. Lester Holt talks about it on the NBC you know, news. It's like, well, it then therefore, you know, must be true or must be worse than it ever was. That, but that, that capacity constraint that we're living in today really speaks to, you know, being thoughtful, we talk to Emerge talks to a lot of shippers that are considerate of and have been really dedicated to an annual bid, thinking that that's the best thing for the carriers right. to do, and and their understanding now. and And I will say, if I may, Joe, one thing: I've used the phrase "shipper of choice" for a long time. 
when I was, you know, at Trans Place, I would use that a lot and talk to the sh- to those shipper customers about how could they become more attractive to the carrier community and what could they do. And I would use that phrase, shipper of choice. I used it so much that one of those, I won't say which one, one of them is a longstanding, to, to this day, Transplace customer. And their, their lead resource in logistics said, George, please stop saying shipper of choice. <laughs> we hear you. We can only do so much. I can't move my you know, facilities from here to there, which would make it better. Right. I, I'm, I'm the, the commodity that they're moving had seasonality to it. I can't tell Mother Nature when to, to do this and to do it 365 days of the year. So there's going to be a challenge you know, in that way. So we hear you. But th- I think this pandemic, what happened in 2018, the tightness of capacity, and then we moved into 2019, which was much different, uh, not a great year for carriers. And then the pandemic you know, comes on. I truly think we're seeing shippers and carriers finally starting to work as partners. There was there was plenty of friction before, but I think we're seeing yeah. a real change in the market. You know what? I think you're right. I think that's uh, that's happening. And again, I think there's more awareness of the plight of again, I think this industry that as as not deliberately, but we've changed the, the the life of truck drivers for the better, but there's still lots of room to be going. Oh, but- absolutely. 100%. Anyway, before we, I want to get into the state of the industry with my friend George Abernathy. Before we get into that, George, I know you've got a long, distinguished career. Give us where, where'd you where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? And then give us some career highlights, just the bullet points, so we can get into the state of the industry. Sure, I appreciate the. I know it's been a long career. I'm not sure how distinguished, but I'll give you that. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate that. I was uh, I was born just outside of Philadelphia, but my dad made a Fortune 500 tour of the country. He uh, worked for companies like Campbell Soup, their Pepperidge Farm division. Oh wow! Um, uh, Ralston Purina. He worked in new product development, and then at R.J. Reynolds, um, he worked on the food side of the business there. So we moved around a lot as 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 I was uh, as I was growing up. So I got to. I, you know, though born in Philadelphia, living in North Carolina and Massachusetts, I can certainly turn on the Massachusetts accent if you want me to. I can say Worcester, <laughs> ahead, I can look. say Norwood, <laughs> I can say, you know, the socks of ruining my summer. I, and I can do that, <laughs> but I don't have an accent because I spent a lot of time, six years of growing up in St. Louis. But I, we ended up, my senior year in high school, we ended up in a little town called Paxton, Massachusetts, which is just outside of Worcester. And I um, not only graduated from high school there, but I um, also went to college up there at, at Assumption College, now Assumption University. I'm proud to sit on the advisory board for the College of uh, Arts and Sciences. Um, and uh, But really what sort of shaped me is living in Massachusetts, both in high school and then through my college, I worked basically full time at a cereal factory. Uh, my dad happened to work there and yes, he helped me get the job, but I worked literally in the cereal factory, sweeping the floors. You know, I was a maintenance guy and then worked my way up. You got to tell us what cereal. <laughs> well, it was, it was private label stuff. It was called Van, Bro- it's called Van Brody Milling uh, originally, but then it was bought by Weetabix. And so if you're over in Europe, you know yeah, what Weetabix what they is. <laughs> They're those little wheat cakes that are just a staple for, for over there. Mm-hmm. But we made private label cereals. And I worked my way up over the five plus years that I worked there and eventually got out of the 
the, the factory itself and moved across the little river to the warehouse. And, ah. I, fell, and, I, and I, A, I fell in love with driving forklifts and the like, but I fell in love with trucks. And I tell people, and believe me, I, you know, I have I've been lucky in my career. The best job I had was working in the, in the warehouse at, at Weedabix. The highest level of thought I had to have is I had to be able to fill a 53-foot truck with X number of cases of cereal. And if I could count to like 580, I wasn't going to mess it up. <laughs> and, but, but I got to tell you, the, the gig and why I'm doing this, I love the trucks. I love talking to the drivers, whether they were private fleet drivers. The McKee Foods drivers used to come up with the Little Debbie, you know, overshortened damage in the trucking. And, you know, that's where I fell in love with oatmeal cream pies. And you'd get the, you know, the Hershey drivers that would be picking up the candy rice that would be going. I fell in love with the trucks and also fell in love with my traffic manager almost every day would get picked up by somebody in a nice suit and they had a really nice car and they were the salespeople for the trucking companies that we were using. And I decided I wanted to be one of them. I wanted to be <laughs> one of those people in the nice suit and the, uh, and the nice car. So I, and, and I, I was lucky enough right after college to, um, to, to go to work for a tiny little, no longer in existence carrier in Philadelphia highlights. I was, an early mover over to J.B. Hunt. And oh, wow. Maureen and I, right after our marriage, moved to Northwest Arkansas and loved it. Would have stayed there if hadn't been recruited by my dad to move back and run some family businesses. But uh, then, you know, post that, working, working my first time for Tom Sanderson, my best friend at, at Sabre, uh, out of PTCG, his Princeton Transportation Consulting Group, which is where... Freight procurement began. OptiBid was birthed in that. And for the three years there, and then another year at logistics.com, OptiBid, the first optimization-based bidding tool. But the challenge, Joe, and was really cool, I get to hang out with a lot of PhDs from MIT. The problem was we needed them to actually run the scenario management. <laughs> and, and it was... It wasn't easy enough for a dope like me to be able to use. Did it yep. give great value? It did to the to shippers. But that's that's how far back I go in looking for optimality or looking for best practices in freight procurement and understanding just how valuable the data was right. that, that, that we were providing. So anyway, from there, I worked for Tom. Tom Sanderson is a highlight in my career, having worked for Tom three or four times uh, together and then uh, working for him at Transplace and seeing it through. If you remember the six original asset carriers, they were publicly traded that formed Transplace. It wasn't a particularly dynamic company for its first few years. Tom got there at the end of 03. I got there at the beginning of 04. And what the, the folks were telling us, the J.B. Hunt, the Swift, the um, U.S. Express, Covenant, they were saying to Tom, you need to um, fix this company and sell it for them. Well, as Tom likes, likes to say, we fixed it and then bought it. And along, <laughs> with C and along with CI Capital and then Greenbrier up to their TPG uh, sale. And now with what uh, they've done with Uber, the Transplace story is a definite highlight. The half of my 
12 years or so there as president, the people, the, the, the expansion of that business into Canada, Mexico, the acquisitions we made in intermodal and other third party logistics organizations were clearly a highlight. And, uh, but I have to say going to freight waves when in Craig Fuller's, the glint in his eye about a media company that's going to support the way that marketing and, and brand recognition and brand halo was going to happen around a technology company that became what Freight Waves is today and, and, and unique. I, I, I'm not the best at the language, but I know that something can't be a little unique or very unique. It's either unique, Joe, or it's not. Right. Freight Waves is a unique, it, it's the Bloomberg of Freight was the original model. And it has become unique <laughs> in our space <laughs> to be able to deliver what it has in the media, in the events, and in that all-important data business that right. has 650-some, that it was really hard to leave. I can say this from my own perspective is that as a podcaster in the transportation logistics business, it's, it feels like they created the market. Mm-hmm. So they they so people started saying, oh, okay, there's a podcast, whatever the hell that is, and then yep. they started listening, and then they, I feel like, <laughs> and maybe this, if you think back to the British invasion, they, they're the Beatles, <laughs> and, and and the rest of us are just kind of following along on their coattails happily. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I appreciate you saying that, and and but what what I think Craig there has, has been able to do is is continue to pivot and evolve. Right, we were so well known uh, for the way our events changed the industry. No offense intended to my good friends in the associations that run events, but if you went to a freight waves event, you didn't forget it. You were no, like, no, "This thing is knocking my socks off." And then the pandemic hits in March, and we've got an event in May. The pivot because Freightways TV existed, because the podcasting had started, because of Craig's investment, allowed us to pivot and put on. We like to call them badass because they were badass. If you went to one in person, they were badass. If you participate in the Freightways ecosystem of their events, the virtual events, and like they're still badass. Right, and, right, right. You know, exactly. and that and that's and that's something you know extraordinarily proud of of oh, the, yeah. the the time that I, that I had there as their proud president. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great, great outfit. And again, I think I've, I think I've interviewed eight people on my podcast, including you from Freightways, and I'm, I will do many more. So, anyway, today we want to talk about the state of the industry. So, mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on a few points. And we were when we were prepping, of course, the first one was technology. But there's so much we can talk about when it comes to technology to, to narrow it down a little bit. It just seems as if in our space, and I don't think uh, this is any huge revelation. We're getting to a place where there's haves and there's have-nots in the in the technology. And there's companies that say, oh, yeah, well, we have a TMS. And that's great. And they're manually entering the own, their own information in the TMS. And there's a lot of manual processes still. And you go, God, that even though you have technology, it's not the same as mm-hmm. the companies that are lowering the cost per load or providing this customer-facing technology that changes the customer experience. Those are the, and, and Emerge is one of them. There's these companies that are changing the space. So talk, and again, there's a whole bunch of these things. I think the customer experience is a big part of it though. 
And I think, you know, the AI money is a big part of it, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think. I mean, I'm sorry, AI. AI and VC money. And VC money. I I, I completely agree with you. And I think for me, as I think about technology and, and so many of the things that you see have cool features, you know, it, but, you know, and, and I'll give this back to my good friend, Tom Sanderson. It's got to be about the benefits. And, and I'll take it one step farther and, and, and take what Tom taught me and, and, and make it a little bit of my own. It, there has to be, Joe, there's got to be stickiness and value. And that's where I think we're actually finding now that what AI or machine learning, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, terrific buzzwords or abbreviations, but now you're seeing that companies like Emerge and what we're able to produce and provide is is our applications that are taking that, that it's not just a cool thing to look at. It's like, no, no, this is taking the jobs that people are doing and making them more efficient. And that, that's what it, that's what it literally all boils down to. And, and I think that's where, you know, you and I were talking about it. I mean, there's, there's startups today, but as, you know, as Andrew Leto, the founder here loves to talk about, and there's such a, such a remarkable story about what they were able to construct at Global Trans, literally from an unemployment check that he got at from his military service. There's people doing that today, but the bootstrapping they did at Global Trans for right. a dozen <laughs> years, that doesn't happen today. You, right. may boot, you may bootstrap for months and into a year and all, but if you've got something, yeah. there's going to there's gonna be money knocking at the door right. and saying, I, I'm, I'm interested in what you're doing. And, yeah, and, and it, that, that's so prevalent today. It's interesting because when I did talk to Andrew about that, he said it's a good thing and it's also a bad thing in that absolutely sometimes you did sometimes you need a little chance to struggle a little bit mm-hmm. and if you don't get that opportunity to find your way to, to do a pivot or two because because if there is a lot of money floating around in the world thank goodness but uh, at the same time it, it might fund some bad ideas too <laughs> I think Andrew's spot on and I'll, and I'll use the the Freightways example you know there's there have been a number of pivots and some things that have been seen publicly, some things that we thought about, maybe tried, but quickly right. you know, moved away from because we weren't sitting on right. a pile, a pile, a pile. We have, Freightways has wonderful investors and, and now are doing remarkably well. I mean, I'm so I'm blessed to be able to, choose uh, my path and, and have such uh, a wonderful experience, you know, from what with the support that we received from the investors over there. But we, we did struggle. We did see, you know, some, you know, we could see the end of the cliff there a few years right, ago, right, you know, right. now, now, you know, that served us very well. And the great news is, you know, Great Waves is, is a, is an absolute, wonderful, rock solid, you know, extraordinarily quickly growing company. Right. So, you know, when we talk about AI, we talk about dynamic pricing. So just yeah, that, that yeah. one thing, if you, you know, that, which is informed by AI. And so when somebody says, I want a price, I, I know there's companies like LoadSmart that's, I think, 85% of their dry van shipments go automated now, meaning nobody touches. It goes right from a right. TMS right to a carrier. 
And the cost per load just keeps going lower and lower. I think uh, there's companies that are uh, investing in tech to the place where they just they can lower the cost per load and making traditional companies either lower their price, lower their margin, or pivot because right. there's just not going to be an opportunity to compete against these guys who not only is they made a better customer experience, but they've also lowered the cost per load. And that exactly. I, don't know, I don't know how you compete against that. Well, and that's where, Joe, I think you've seen some of, if not all of the largest of the the brokers making investments. Um, if you look at the Freight Waves, Freight Tech 25 that um, was just published last week, there's some really well-known big names in there. At my time at J.B. Hunt, we thought we were at the forefront of technology, but what they've been able to do over time is is remarkable. And you know, <laughs> their name is prominently on a freight tech list. Oh yeah, and 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 absolutely deservedly so. But you'll also see. At the you know at the top of that of that list, names like Platform Science, names like Project Forty Four. Project Forty Four came in first, I think. Platform Science too. Then Amazon Freight. Joe, if you and I were talking five years ago and said, "Hey, did you see that Amazon Freight was and actually for the last uh, couple of years they were number one? That they were uh, you, know, on, you know number one in freight tech?" We'd say, "For what?" For having right, a, you know right. a fabulous what, what e-commerce website, well, you would have said you would have said, "What is freight tech?" Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And here and here they are. And even though they went down to third, but then you'll see big names. You'll see emerge in there. You know, in the top ten now, not not because of pay to play, but because the folks that understand what's going on in this industry voted for those companies and said these are the people who are currently making a difference and are going to continue to move the ball and change the industry to your oh, point yeah. and making it so much more, I mean, more technologically capable, process capable, which makes productivity so much better. Right. And I think one of the things that's changed and it's changed in our lifetime for sure, George, is when we first, the first technologies you were exposed to were back office. They might have been an HR system, exactly. a financial system. Now they're customer facing, whether it's a Convoy or LoadSmart, Emerge, Convoy, Uber, they're all customer facing technology. And it's all kind of informed by consumer tech, right? And so we're used to using consumer technologies we won't go and use the clunky systems. Right. You and I, back in the day, I guarantee you used the same clunky systems I had to use. And the boss would just come in and tell you, hey, we got a new system. You got to start using it and get the training. And it was truly go get the training. It'd take a half a day to learn how to use the crappy new system you had. Absolutely right. Now the consumer facing, there's no right. such thing as take a class. It's intuitive. It exactly knows what you right. want. Well, I've, I've got I've got two flights tomorrow that if I take take my handy uh, iPhone and if I decide I want to change the seats, assuming that they're available with my status, I could change the seats. It'll take me 30 seconds. The intuitiveness, like you said, and I can do it with one finger. I will take you back to that time I was talking about when I was working uh, with Tom at Sabre in the logistics practice. Um, I'm a longtime American Airlines flyer, lifetime platinum, the whole routine. 
back then, and again, we're not talking about 100 years ago. We're talking about, you know, 20 years ago. If you walked up, and actually it's even more recent than that, but if you walked up to the counter and said, I want to change my seat, in the Sabre system, you would have seen this occur. Yeah, a whole bunch of you're typing. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch of different moving around the system. Yeah. They were, they were, they, they were able, they had to understand a language that, right. you know, I didn't know and couldn't do. And that, that's what's occurring in our space now where the clunkiness of some of those on-premises technologies and, and think about, you know, falling behind on updates and when there would be releases and falling behind on those, you know, you, you don't in, 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 in this. Now, what I, what I will say App fatigue is real for the drivers out there and for overall within within our space. Figuring out how to make that app be so valuable that I have to use it. And that and that's where as I think about it here at Emerge, it's and you hear Andrew talk so much about it and it's appropriate. It it is about you know, getting to that scale. And when right. you then have, and you know, you have scale, there's no app fatigue in freight procurement at this point. There's, there, there is not a better mousetrap than Emerge. We get to that scale. Then you have all that marketplace going on. Now you've got other things that you can right. offer into that um, and, and continue to evolve down the path from procurement to benchmarking to a to all yeah. of the other things that you can look at. It's interesting. Uh, years ago, I was watching Shark Tank and I saw Mark Cuban uh, talking to one of these people who was pitching their 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 app. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm not, he goes, I've, I've investigated this space quite a bit. And he said, um, people, people love the idea of creating an app because it's a fantastic business if it works. He goes, but how many apps do all of you use? And right. he goes, we're touching our phone all day. And he goes, how many do you consistently use? And and I think of some apps that I used and then stopped using. Others, I never stopped using. And yep. the reality is we'll use three, four, five, seven apps, whatever it is. Maybe if your job's dependent on it, you use a few more. Absolutely right. But uh, we're not all super enamored with it. We're enamored with the ones that really work. And that's where this, again, consumer tech comes in. And the difference between the old school where the boss told you, this is a condition of your employment to use this system versus today when you say to a customer, what do you think? Is this intuitive enough? Is this right. doing exactly what you want? And coders and programmers, are the user requirements used to be kind of, uh, I know what they need. And and, the, right. and, the, right. and, and if you're a user, you're like, eh, give it a shot, right? That's what we never ended up with anything that was good. Now, companies like Emerge, Convoy, Uber, that have this customer-facing platform, they are watching <laughs> with bated breath every move. Is that next? Is that too many clicks? Right? Is, are you? Did you like that? Did you? Did you like that? <laughs> exactly right. And 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 the ability to, you know, it's I'm not doing a release once a year. And if you're, you know, you're in my release cycle, you're going to take it or leave it. And that's why so many people would fall behind. (sighs) Now it is before it's released. There's so much customer interaction. There's so much, you know, test. No, don't, no, don't, don't do it that way. Don't change that. No, you know, and, and, you know, when it's released, then it's released into, into the wild, but it's, 
already it's understood this is where the added value is coming. So I, I think you're spot on about that. So we talked a little bit about the technologies and super important. Again, I think we're really getting to a place of haves and have nots. Yep. You're either going to invest in or you're not. And secondly, in this separate topic, and you said that it is so overused that you're going to try not to say the word, but I'll say it, <laughs> end-to-end visibility. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll set this up for you for a second. We have visibility. and People talk about visibility saying, oh, I've got this visibility, you know, this great visibility tool. And I think we're right at this point, we're, we're in a spectrum. I could call, I make check calls every half hour. I could call that visibility about where my trucks are at. Sure. And then I could be state of the art. I use Project 44 and we're integrated where we have chips everywhere. So there's a spectrum. But then there's another piece that, that drives me crazy is when somebody says, I have visibility. Visibility for two days while you're moving my freight. Right. But but if I'm a supply chain, if I'm a supply chain guy, I'm a shipper. I've got stuff that I started making in China 16 weeks ago, and then I don't get paid for another five, yep. 10 weeks after yep. I sell it. So I want end-to-end visibility. I don't want two days of visibility. I want a whole bunch of visibility. <laughs> so speak yep. to that. Yep. A couple things, and I, I really think it is a fascinating uh, topic go back to Freightways Freight Tech 25, the number one was Project 44, who, I won't say the V word, visibility, <laughs> as if you're playing your drinking game out there, there you know, you're going to take a shot. But that, so what I think that shows, Joe, is that recognition at the top is that the most knowledgeable folks in our industry believe that progress is being made in visibility. Are we there? I mean, over the last decade plus, there's not a conference you could go to where somebody would say, what we're looking for is is end-to-end visibility. And somebody would raise their hand and say, well, that's what we're going to be providing. I think what you're, you're, you're not only seeing progress, we're, we're, we're not there, but with Project 44 and and others looking to Europe as, you know, oh, yeah. they're, they're doing things there. I think there's progress being made. But here's what I think is really happening. And it's and it's what companies like Emerge, like FreightWaves, like Project 44 are taking advantage of is, to your point, when you're talking about the data, like, I can know where my truck is by pinging it with, you know, and, and getting a transaction back. But it is taking that kind of data, which I remember people telling me that, you know, those kinds of transactions would end up on the floor at TransPlace. We just, we, you know, the, the, not that we didn't know what to do with them, but the customers didn't require us to do anything. And I had this image in my mind of all of these transactions, you know, building up on the floor. That, But today we're taking that data that some may have thought of as exhaust data, alternative data, and being able to find ways that it is providing visibility into pieces of the supply chain that I think are starting to be put together. If there is going to be an outcome, an output from this circumstance around the pandemic and all the things that are happening at the port that uh, you know we may talk about, but it it is going to be that the understanding that of what data can be utilized to do is to me the key 
to unlocking that true end-to-end visibility, which currently does not exist. Yeah, you know, I had the guys from, uh, I forget his name, um, Adam Campaign from Clear Metal, and they were doing mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of the uh, ocean visibility. Right. And then they got bought by uh, Project 44, so Adam's over there right. now. And so the, to your point, Project 44's investments. Exactly and right. So just saw something in Latin America. So we're starting to see, rather than us, rather than two days of visibility, which was great, I'll buy, right. you, a, sure. I'll buy you a beer. That's not getting you a big hug. Two days of visibility over a 16-week supply chain, good, but not great. Now we're talking, if we have something on the ocean, now I've gained another month potentially of visibility. Great. And in this port thing, God knows, everybody wants to know where their stuff's at. Right. But um, there's another piece of it. And somebody said this on my podcast the other day. I thought it was fantastic. FinTech, where freight tech meets FinTech. The number one question in this business is, where's my stuff? But the number two question in this business is, where's my money? <laughs> right. And exactly. so, so I think one of the things that we're going to start seeing visibility is how do I get from order to cash faster, right? How do I start taking waste out of that system? And then when we're prepping, uh, George, once we have that visibility, it's not just for the sake of visibility and go, oh, I can see that my ship is going to be right. about a month late and I can see my truck's going to be three days late. No, no, no. I want to be able to collaborate and now that we're connected, I want real-time collaboration in that in that same space. And, you know, not to be an infomercial, but like Turvo does that. So Turvo connects connects all the players. Idre is another one that, that you know, right. if you watch 60 Minutes this this past weekend and and you, you saw some of the things that, that they were talking about, that there's there's not a bottleneck in what's occurring right, there, right? right? But but there are now companies that are attacking multiple of those at once. And that's where the solution is going to come from. It's it's not simply in no disrespect intended to Gene Soroka, who you know does a does a great job out there, but saying we're going to run 24-7, snap your fingers, and we're going to be okay. We're going to you know double or triple the amount of uh, materials that were to move through, that's just not taking place because you don't have the coordination between when I can have the appointment. And really it is when I'm taking one in, I got taking, you know, an empty in, I got to take a full one out. And that is just the, the visibility to that is just not happening. And you see companies like Idre that are capable of doing that. Yep. So you want to be able to, at some point we want to go not just a little piece of visibility here, a little bit over here. I want end to end visibility. We're not right. quite there yet, but I think we're getting close. I also want to be able to collaborate within with my supply chain partners, with my trucking partners, with my shipping partners. And I think, you know, the number one rule of bottlenecks, I can say this because I did a lot of lean in plants, but also in supply chains. The number one rule of bottlenecks is as soon as you eliminate a bottleneck, you create a new one. They don't ever go away. <laughs> it's like it's a whack-a-mole that never ends and it's more 100%. expensive. <laughs> so so anyway, number one thing, say to the industry for my friend George is technology. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. We talked about end-to-end visibility. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was the idea of specialization. Mm-hmm. Building a niche or a niche, whatever, you, it's niche over here in the Midwest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that as I think about when I'm helping a company build its commercial face, there certainly has to be something about what I'm doing compared to what others are doing 
that is demonstrating my value and is, you know, makes me special. But I'm, I'm really going to be able to thrive in this industry to be able to appear and then be able to deliver as someone who understands your specific kind of challenge. So I shouldn't say the exact same phraseology <laughs> to big box retailer as I'm saying to a consumer products company. There may be overlaps and they, mo- they both may have truckload transportation and intermodal transportation, but there's going to be something about what they do. There's going to be metrics. There's going to be specific ways that they measure that if I can... The way they talk. <laughs> right. If I, can, if I can have some part of that lingo and appear to be and then be able to deliver on that specialization and, and, and knowing how they're doing it, that will land and give me credibility, and right. which, which allows me... I can't get to gravitas. Another Abernathy drinking game is, if I, how many times I'm going to say the word gravitas? Because <laughs> I think it's so important to have... Guess where trust comes from, right? I right. mean, you... I, you're going to think that I can do this because I do this better than, you know, others right. do it or that you could do it yourself. And there's some level of gravitas that comes from the, yeah. the belief in that. And I can't get to gravitas unless I actually get you to that. I that I can land on credibility. Credibility works my way towards trust, which then gets me to gravitas. At that point, then I've got you. I, right. you know, you're, 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 you trust me and believe that I'm smart enough to have gravitas, then I've, I've, I've got fertile ground to be able to try and go right. till. We're, we're all looking for experts in our, in our businesses, you know, whoever. So like George, if I was to come to you as a, a small tech, tech development company, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, I've worked with uh, this bank and I've worked with uh, this, this builder and I did some websites to be like, uh, uh, right. uh, I'm not that interested. But if I said, hey, I've worked with the following freight tech companies and I named three or four that you go, Holy God, this guy gets it. Yes, let's have a conversation, right? Yep. Same, same. If I'm if I'm calling a retailer, it makes a lot more sense to say, "Hey, I'm calling because we work with a lot of retailers. We already work with Costco and Kroger, and here's what we do for them. I know your problems because I'm already living those problems. And and you mentioned if I'm using their words, if I'm using something that really resonates with them, it's a lot. And I tell people this. If your company doesn't specialize, you specialize because right. you got to make a hundred phone exactly. calls a day, make them all to the retailer or make them all to the CPG and become an expert in that space. And I, I say this a lot on the podcast, but I'll say it again. You don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. You want to be a inch wide and a mile deep. Absolutely. You want to be the flat out. And by the way, people get in this mindset of, well, yeah, but I don't want to limit myself. What do you think? There's not enough business just doing e-commerce. Trust me, there is. Right. <laughs> Find the smallest niche that you can actually work with. That's what you absolutely. Want. I really couldn't agree with you more. And that and that's where in in the as as venture capital or private equity comes in. If if I'm not, and you talked about geography being one of the places where a Project Forty Four is investing, and like if if I'm a broker or 3PL and I'm, I dominate the automotive market, but I really don't do a lot in retail. I, I I might try to figure out how to do that, or I may just go acquire. I can go acquire that. That's what some of this 
venture capital and this private equity is being right. put to work with is 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 saying, okay, I have lots of strengths, but I got a few weaknesses. How can I? How can I? Exactly. How can I do that? And I, I won't say strengths and weaknesses, although I think they might actually agree. Yeah. A lot of people with my time at TransPlace have asked me, and, and having Uber as a as a customer have asked me, what do I think of the TransPlace Uber, the acquisition by Uber? And I won't go on except to say it's a fascinating, fascinating bringing together of companies that weren't totally similar. So, so in the same way of... Filling in some blanks, maybe geographically yeah. by making an acquisition or technology by making an acquisition. Those two companies, you know, one of them would have checked a lot of boxes where the other one got X's and the other one would have checked the boxes where this one got it. That, that you know, makes a lot of sense when you think about it in, 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 yeah. in the expansion of the, the ways that they do business and the specializations that they each bring to the, to the party. Yeah, there's a lot of consolidation going on in the industry, and it will continue. We've got big, big companies that are acquiring, and we just saw TransPlace, or Uber by TransPlace. And, uh, I mean, these are behemoths, but we also have a lot of private equity money. And Absolutely. one of the things um, that's that they all say the same thing. I've had a number of them on the podcast. They all say, you want to be a niche. You want So that, that California company that's moving to the Midwest, you don't want to say, I, yeah, I have a little bit over in Texas, a little bit in mm-hmm. Oregon. You want to be able to say, I got the Midwest locked. Down. We right got a lot down. of business yeah, here. Or I'm 100% automotive and we do a fantastic job on it. And you see, you see that in some of the package delivery. You right. Know, you know, they own Texas. Or they own, you know, three states in the southeast. That that that, that niche is, everything. Is, is absolutely everything. 100%. So, George, wanting before you get, well, I want to get two things from you. I want to hear what's going on over at Merge. But first, I'm going to say this. We first talked about technology and again, being really a, a place where we have starting to have haves and have not. The technology is a platform that is delivering that customer experience. And so much with the venture capital and automating the processes, it's just you either have it or you don't. And if you don't, you, you better look for a, an exit. <laughs> Second, we talked about end-to-end visibility and the importance of that. We've had siloed visibility. Now we're getting to a place where before long, we're going to have end-to-end visibility where we'll be able to collaborate and be more connected and, and add more value, get to go faster, better, cheaper. And last but not least, we talked about developing niches. Final thoughts on all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so thrilled, and I'm just going to use this from a personal perspective, to be able to be working in what to me is the hottest of the marketplaces out there. You see it, the output coming from the schools that have been providing people in transportation, logistics, and supply chain are just so popular now. You're seeing other universities and colleges that maybe maybe not have the programs starting to offer more that it's just thrilling to me to see you know we used to talk about yeah the transportation people are like mushrooms right yeah right. you keep them in the dark and you pile a lot of you know what on top of them well that is not the way right lester holt is leading tonight's news with the supply right. chain challenges and i I'm, you know, I don't like that there's those kinds of issues, but we're going to fix it. And it's going right. to be fixed by the money that's being poured in, the technology that's being developed. That That's what that's what makes this exciting to me to be able to, to you know, help to lead companies like Freight Waves that, you know, and, and, and emerge that, you know, technologies that did not exist five years oh, yeah. ago are changing the industry that we work in today. 
Yeah, this was the least high-tech space on Earth. Warehousing, trucking, it was like, basically, I think when I got out of school, people say, I'm not interested in technology. I'll go into warehousing or trucking. That would be a way, a way to hide from it. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's all changed now. So I know I'm buck, butting up against your next meeting, but so I ask before you go, what's new over at Emerge and who is your sweet spot and how do we reach out and talk to you guys? Well, uh, G. Abernathy at EmergeMarket.com is always going to be available. I'll put a link, link to your LinkedIn profile too. Link, LinkedIn profile, please. But EmergeMarket.com, all you, you need. And really the, the sweet spot at Emerge is the, the niche in that, that inch wide and a mile deep is around where we are in procurement. But it, you know, whether you're Fortune 10 or 5,000, the opportunity that freight procurement and the challenges that it's providing everybody now. And that's what I've seen. You know, I've talked to the largest of the retailers, small and medium-sized folks. They're all trying to find the right way to, to mix that. And that's the beauty of what's happening here at Emerge is we talk to dozens of shippers on a daily basis about the opportunity to work with them and the carriers who are coming to the marketplace and finding that network effect that, that, that you talked about. And it's actually not just a buzzword, not just a buzz phrase uh, anymore. So EmergeMarket.com, G. Abernathy at EmergeMarket.com. And uh, Joe, this was fabulous. I appreciate you right. giving me all the time. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to Emerge in the show notes and I'll put a link to uh, your LinkedIn profile. And yeah, and we didn't mention it, but I think uh, I know a lot of agents are moving over to Emerge because... It is a, a new and different way to engage with the market, and I think it's probably a better way to engage with the market. Guys, there's a lot of people who worked at Global Trans who made a lot of money as agents. And, uh, so totally, when you look at George and the Leto brothers and the idea. team that they built, <laughs> they, uh, if you could just get a little bit of that, little working with successful people is good because they teach you how it's done. And these guys have been there, done that, got the hat. Appreciate that. Thank you. In that case, you got the uh, backpack. I got the backpack. Yeah, that's yes. exactly right. Got the, got the backpack. Eilish would like seeing that backpack over there. I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Joe. George, thank you so much. I really appreciate taking the time. And again, it's really great to finally get you on my podcast. You're on that list for a long time of uh, the unattainable. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on many lists of people, but it, this, this, is, this one is a good one that I'm glad we were able to check the box. And I'd be happy to do it again. Let's, let's, do, it again. let's do it again and see just how, uh, just how right we were. Oh, yeah. Well, I know there's other topics we could have hit, but we're running out of time. Anyway, thank you so much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. And thank all of you for listening. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.